yeah, obvious, we got a problem here, and it's more than just obvious, dreaming Punisher, when life begins to suck, who's reporting it, luckily, got two friends who you won't forget, coming live, Alvin and friend on survival, laughing non-stop, case drops on a cycle, louder than intrusive thoughts off an iPhone, how they make the world seem bright with the lights off, AFs, it might as well stay up, lies being told, like that dinosaur BS, magnifying glass to the ground if they don't see us, having the time, roasting your favorite pizza, bougie ain't an option, it's the way, take it to the grave, add moving to the place, you already know when they take the case, laugh the pain away, it's affirmative Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post on. What up? How you doing, man? What's going on? I'm good, man. Just chilling. Um, trying to get back into the groove of things. I know we've been off for a while, so I'm it has to, been you know, some time getting back to the groove of recording. Um, even though we have been recording some things, but just trying to get back in the groove, man. We're about to go into this new year again. So I'm, I'm. I would say, hold on. Yeah. Let's watch. What? Let's just. Tread carefully. Well, well, what I was about to say is, we go into this new year, so I, I go into this little this 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 door that we're about to open and close behind us. Uh huh. I don't know what's going to be on, on the, the other side. side. Of this door. That's what. That's the anxiousness that I have. Of course. Of December of the, of the end of every year. But we have laid we have laid several audio uh, bookmarks in the past few years where we keep going like. Well, it can't get any worse than this. Well, I wasn't saying that. Okay, I think I've I've learned my lesson. Okay, cool. That's where I, that's why I was just I was like, please just watch it. Where it's like the whole world stops. So it was like, yeah, that was. Can it wild. get worse than that? Absolutely. That was a wild one. Yeah. <laughs> to say it can't get much worse, and no disrespect, but to say, yeah, what well, can't get much worse? Kobe Bryant died. Like it, it can't get much worse than this, and then it proceeded to get way oh, yeah. worse. I it mean, like, like it was like, oh, hold my beer. Yeah, oh my god, the world. Watch stopped. this. <laughs> watch this. <laughs> So, yeah, so, man, crazy times. Um, if you listen to the Tales from the Hood, uh, we alluded to a big announcement, which you will get in this episode, but you just got to stick around to the end. We want to get through the episode. We want to talk, yeah, so just stick yeah, around yeah. at the end. We're going to drop the big announcement on you guys. We're really excited about it, so please stick around through the podcast. I hope you're here to enjoy it and not just to get some kind of sycophantic, weird excitement out of surprises, like you're obsessed with getting surprises or whatever. That's weird. Don't just do that. That's That's suspicious. Yeah. Or just do that, yeah. Or don't if you're just here because you love surprises, then skip to the end, and the surprise will be there. But Fran, so much has happened since we've been away, yeah, um, uh, from from Thanksgiving to now preparing for Christmas, and yeah. all of these things. Um, also, in the world of pop culture, Hollywood is on fire. Um, Sean Combs, <laughs> um, Ti, everything's crazy. Ti is fighting his son at the Falcons game. P. Diddy is everything bad in the world. Tried to kill Kid Cudi. So, among other terrible is things. That, is that speculation or? It's in the case files that they had that, you know, uh, of uh, the, the court documents that. Um, oh, it's been documented. Like, this is this is not like a. Uh, yeah, allegedly. His, Kid, his Kid, Kid Cudi's car blew up because he was. Right. Trying but to I mean, like, classy. it was. It's, it's not like his bodyguard was like, oh, yeah, I was there when he. When he hired somebody, it, it wasn't like that. Word I guess out. I guess it's not corroborated with video or anything like that. It's I guess it's just hearsay, but it's okay. reported that it happened. Wow! And I have it feels so weird to to say Kit Cudi and P Diddy that it I believe it. I can believe that in this in this Hollywood sphere that Kit Cudi might have been at a party, met Cassie, they they hit it off, he got her number, and then Diddy found out, and then was like, "Who the fuck is this weirdo dude that wears skinny jeans and Jordans? I'm gonna blow his car up to send him a message <laughs> that don't talk to my." This woman I have captive in some kind of weird way. So um, I think Diddy's done. Uh, Diddy did it, and Diddy don't. I I'm I'm <laughs> I am I'm off the Diddy train. This okay. was the last train because because of, of that because of the Kid Cudi news. No, for oh. all of it. I mean, but that's oh. just, I mean, <laughs> I, I I'm a Kid Cudi fan. So for obviously, sure. when I when I read, when I saw that, I went, oh, what? But I mean, his treatment of women was crazy. Yeah. Now. I think, I, what are your thoughts on when, when you found out? You texted me. You were like, yo, Diddy's out here moving like shit. I did, you said yeah, something like that. I, yeah, I, was, I went, um, I don't know. 
I didn't know how to react to it. I went, what, well, what my mind really went to first was like R. Kelly type of yeah. shit. Where it's just like, this dude is super popular, he's famous, but he, is, he has this dark... And was allowed to operate. Life or alter personality that he, that nobody knows unless people was around him or had conversations with him. And what's funny about stuff like this is like, now when stuff starts to, when stuff starts to come out, uh-huh. people go back to old interviews and go like, oh, why did he make that face and make these different uh, comments and looks uh-huh. and stuff like that. And you, people start kind of trying to put the pieces together. Like, oh, how, it was right in front of us. How do we, how we didn't notice? Yeah. Well, let me, listen, let me say this. I've not hidden the fact that in the, in the early 20, 2010s, mm-hmm. I was a big YouTube conspiracy theory rabbit hole guy. Mm-hmm. And one of the bigger and more entertaining YouTube conspiracy theory rabbit holes in the early 2010s was the hip hop Illuminati videos. Mm-hmm. All of it. Nicki Minaj had her brother sacrificed to become Nicki Minaj. Beyonce is Sasha Fierce. She has a demon in her. I've watched all the videos. I saw. One, I have a comment about that too because I saw something on Twitter about that. But go ahead. One constant in all of those videos. Everybody's at a Diddy party. Everything a Diddy party. This happened. We walked into this room and saw this guy having sex with this guy, and you wouldn't thought so because he's Hollywood's. Number one A-lister, dreamboat of all the women, but I walked in and I saw him having sex with a man at a Diddy party. I every kind of crazy what? Uh, I saw somebody doing getting pooped on at a Diddy party. Every crazy story that I saw heard in those videos happened at a Diddy party. And so for years, it's always been kind of this um, whispers to normal people, like regular society people that go, yeah, man, apparently these P. Diddy parties are notorious and crazy things happen and all this, that, and the third. And everybody in Hollywood kind of knows, hey, man, don't stay at a Diddy party too late unless that's what you're into because shit starts to get kind of freaky. Yeah. <laughs> and there's some eyes wide shut, weird, masquerade mask, people having sex in front of everyone. And everything changes when you take out the word consent. As soon as it's like, oh, wait, people were having, be, they were made to do this against their will. Now it's not fly and funny. And Diddy just is like, Diddy's just a freak. Because at first it's like, listen, if everybody's at the Diddy party at three o'clock in the morning, everybody consents to the feathers coming out and the, the eye masks and leather, and, then cool. But when you start talking about people not, people being forced to be there and doing stuff that they didn't want to do and all that type of stuff, now you go, oh, this is dark and like evil. And that maybe some of those Illuminati videos weren't as crazy as I thought. Because as I got older, I went, what was I doing watching this, man? Yeah. Bruno Mars didn't sacrifice somebody to become Bruno. He's just as good at singing and dancing. Yeah. But then sometimes you you hear some stuff, some stuff comes to the public, and you go, well, I don't know. Where there's smoke, there's a little bit of fire in this case. But I mean, like, the Illuminati, like, why is the Illuminati strictly for the mu- music industry? I don't. That's mm. the part I don't understand. And why is it... Black people, that's was like black people gotta mm. black people have to sacrifice somebody to become wealthy or successful. That's what I don't understand. Hey man. I could do this all day, brother, but I'm gonna yeah. spare but, you. But but please, but <laughs> you know, you know, you know, I didn't like I didn't like you you know why I've never liked P. Diddy for a long time now. Uh-huh. And you know why I don't like P. Diddy. I had the biggest crush. On Cassie. Cassie was your number one. Cassie Cassie was, yeah, on his sidekick background. Yeah, he he was very, might have been on your MySpace. Everywhere. She was everywhere. He was very infatuated with Cassie. She was everywhere. And then when I heard they was there, I was like, you know, F P Diddy, F him. You know, I just, I didn't, I never liked him ever since then. Yeah. And then it came out news, he was, you know, news came out, I was like, oh, hell no. Yeah. If I catch him in the streets, now, now he might be, he might be, he, he might be. You know, uh, capable of doing some things that I'm not sure. Yeah, but, yeah. But my other question is, why is people like him? Mm-hmm. When people come out, they go, "Was like, hey man, you know, P Diddy has this pool, this pool of like, this pool of just like being able to have people do stuff for him." Yeah. And who else is like that? Uh, MC Hammer. I went, what? They say MC, MC Hammer is like <laughs> him in in the Bay. Maybe in the Bay. Uh, in 2023, but, but still to have, but if you if you look at MC Hammer, you go like, I mean, he does the crazy, he got the big pants and he does the crazy dance and he has the hit in song. 90, in 92. But they say, but now they was like, 
They say you know, Hammer's still, still like that. He's still like he's maybe he's still, but he but he was. At he's some the point, he's the Bay's Diddy. He was like that's that, E40. So like, We're not going to do that and disrespect E40 like he that. He didn't play though. I but believe it's so, you. It's so funny hearing those stories about those people. You go like, I didn't. I never looked at those people that way well, just because of their music. All jokes aside and everything, it's it is a it is a bigger, more serious conversation that we can say for a different day. But yeah. I I think Diddy is Diddy's a byproduct of the patriarchy and sexism in entertainment because it's so crazy how Harvey Weinstein, Russell Simmons, mm-hmm. P. Diddy, when you're put in a position of power, you inevitably use your power to get the things that you want. Wait, who and did you a, think? Russell Simmons. Russell Simmons is, he's like in Bali. Man. And Russell Simmons did a lot of nasty shit, bro. Rev, I mean, not Rev, Russell Simmons has been accused of a lot of nasty shit, bro. And it, it speaks Oh, I'm to, getting it mixed up. I'm getting Rev Run. You're speaking of, you're thinking about Rev Run. I'm like, No, no, that's his brother. He walks around in a, a thing. He's a, he's, like, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a priest. No, no, no. Yeah. I don't know anything about him. I don't know if Rev Run, Rev Run has not been accused of anything. I'm talking about his he's brother, a, Russell Simmons. The one that the kid that looks like an android is named after, Russie, he's named yeah. after Russell Simmons, who was Rev Run's brother. He like a condor. That's what he looked like. He looks like what? He like a condor. Like the bird? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they caught him on the red carpet. They were talking to Diggy Simmons. He was like, yeah, you know, I got a movie coming out in 2019. I'm working on an album. They asked, they said, hey, Rusty. And he was just that kind of standing there because yeah. he's always just like, he looks like an imaginary friend. Yeah. So he's, he was standing next to Diggy and they were like, hey, you're here too. Like, what do you got going on? Uh, I just re- recently bought a couple properties. I've been doing some real estate investment. We're not trying to hear about that on the red carpet. <laughs> he's like not in the entertainment industry at all. Just He yeah. wanted to just give his credits. He's like, yeah, I'm also uh, looking to buy an eight-unit apartment building. Like, bro, this is, we're at Maxim Magazine's uh, red carpet event. We don't care about what you do in the real world. Do you have some songs coming out or not? He was dressed all normal. Anyway, yeah. but no, seriously though, Russell Simmons, <laughs> Russell Simmons, Bill Cosby, these all people, all these people, they're a byproduct of the monster that is Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I think that we're so quick to make everything a one-off. R. Kelly, man, R. Kelly was allowed with impunity, and not just impunity, but like a system was in place where he had a person that would go pick the girls up. Yeah, Everybody knew R. Kelly was doing this, but he was making hits, and so everybody turned the other way because he was making millions of dollars for people. Yeah. And that's the industry. Harvey Weinstein's allowed to like, hey, if you want to be in Kill Bill... Why don't you come up to my hotel room and watch me shower? And you kind of, it's just like, it's, it's known, but when you have the power, everybody just kind of acquiesces to the situation. So when you ask about Diddy and the power and the pull, I'm not going to add MC Hammer to this list because I don't know if MC Hammer has the pull that he's making people do things they don't want to do in 2023. I could be wrong. I have never been to the Bay Area. Any Bay Area listeners, please let me know if, if not E40, if Russ, if, if MC no, Hammer. No, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean, I meant like, when you see MC Hammer on TV dancing and making music, you're like, "Oh no, he's not a go, joke." But he's like, "No, he's like a gangster." No, like, I heard what? he was a gang member. I'm talking. That's I, what I'm talking I, about. I, ain't I talking did about hear. That. Yeah, yeah, I did hear that in like the when he was MC Hammer. MC, when MC Hammer meant something, not yeah. that it means nothing, but when MC Hammer was like Twenty One Savage, yeah, yeah, yeah. when MC Hammer was like Twenty One Savage, yeah, he was like, "Oh yeah, I got these big pants on, but I'm like a blood." Yeah. But but Diddy's bigger big Diddy's bigger than a blood. Diddy pays the bloods to do things. Like but he I is a but I didn't know though. That's a kingpin. Yeah. He's a, but you know that Diddy has a lot of money. Yeah. And he uses his money to get his way in the world. And that's just kind of how Hollywood and entertainment is. And that's why when you ask me why is the Illuminati all the Illuminati videos always about black people and entertainment and all these things, it's because it's the most frontward facing. So we don't know all the billionaires in the world and what they do. But we know P. Right. Diddy is close to a billion. We know Jay-Z is close to it. We know these people have money and influence and uh, all these things. And we also can, like, trace the things that they do. We don't know, like, what Steve Jobs was doing exactly. We don't know what uh, Jeff Bezos is doing. Elon Musk is doing. It, well, Elon Musk is pretty publicly facing. And he's a cornball. But anyway, here's what I'll, here's what I'll say. Uh, there's a dude named Gene Deal who was a bodyguard for P. Diddy. He's doing a lot of interviews. And there's a woman named Jaguar Wright who I've was seen, I've like, seen both of those people. I know what you're talking about. Jaguar Wright has done some... She, I'm not saying I believe everything that she's saying because I, I wasn't there, but like she corroborates a lot of the dark things that you see in these Illuminati type of hip-hop yeah. videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, no, no, I was there. It's like, yeah. I saw it. 
Foxy yeah. Brown was 15 years old when when Jay Z brought her out as a rapper, and hey, Aaliyah was Aaliyah was 15. Brown. I was just I, I've I've been bumping Get You Home. Was it Get You Home Tonight? Whatever that song. Uh, all that day. Sounds, yeah. Gotta get you home with me to. Oh, yeah. I'm bumping that all day long. Oh, 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 oh. man. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did she like go blind? Did she go blind or something like that? Something crazy, right? But That's then wild. if you watch a Illuminati video in 2011, people might go, she sacrificed her eyes to get her deal. Yeah, I can't do that. No. You know, so it, it gets crazy, but sometimes there's some 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 fact based stuff around it. But anyway, yeah. uh, just I went down, went down a bit of a rabbit, rabbit hole about Illuminati stuff. But it's it's based around real, Diddy did a lot of nasty stuff. Sure. And Hollywood's power players are known for doing a lot of nasty things because that's just kind of the tradition of Hollywood. And it needs to change. People should be getting jobs based off of their merit. They should not be taken advantage of. People should not be feel, made to feel uncomfortable. And if you're a 50 year old man, you should not be having private dinners with 20 year old Hollywood starlets. And then all of a sudden they're, they're the new five picture deal. And, you know, odd things and odd requests happen. And people think that this is just normal and it's not OK. But again, I, I don't think that I think that Diddy just kind of he learned what he saw. He was brought into the industry yeah. and you're a young dude and you get a bunch of money. And, and it's like, wait a minute, all this money, I can make women and people do whatever I want around me based off the people that brought me. in. I saw them doing that, too. So I'm just doing what they showed me how to do. The Clive Davises and the, the Lior Cohens and all these people, everybody who we know Diddy. But, you know, Diddy has people above him. And those people have parties and all those. Things. It's, 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 it's a nasty system. It's a nasty ecosystem. And there's always a bigger shark. And the bigger the shark gets, the less people know their name. So it's easy to do this with Diddy because we know Diddy and it's fuck Diddy and cancel Diddy and everything like that. But there's a person who Diddy, I think, learned this thing of parties and NDAs and you can make them do whatever you want to and just pay them off. And you can have women just... If you pay them enough money, they'll do whatever you want to. You can do whatever you want to them. And, and, and then if they get mad at you, just pay them and pay them to silence them. He learned these things from somebody. I don't know how you come back from in one in a span of like three months. It's t- it turns out that the your Marilyn Monroe, because you know how Kanye West had Amber Rose next to him for that time. And it was like, this yeah. is his muse. Yeah, yeah. That was like Cassie was that for him. And to find out that this woman, oh, she had the she was the first woman with the well, at least the most famous That's woman crazy. with that, with the half the head that, shaved. And, yeah, man, and it I, turns I, out like Diddy was like, yo, just go, go do that. Cause I said so. It wasn't cause she was trying to be fly or unique. It was just like, he pays me and. That's what he wants me to do. I don't know. I heard another story where he made her go get breast implants and then he didn't like how big they were. So he made her go right back to the surgeon to get them reduced. And, and it's like, he, she was like a doll. And it, 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 it fucks you up. Cause you go, it looked fly. Yeah. It looked cool, bad boy. She's singing, and me and you, and the songs, and this, that, and the third. And it was and like, now oh, she's it was... like, and I was like, but he's like fifty, and she's like tw- 19. Tw- 20, 19. Oh, I'm like, what the what the hell is going on? I'm like, what is this? Yeah. And she was like, young, you know, me and you was her first hit, and then mm-hmm. like, and now he's holding her like, career over her head. Exactly. And it's like, okay, well, I'm trying to blow it, and this P Diddy comes along, and like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, so it's mm-hmm. kind of like, wow, if I want my career to grow. You know, I kind of need to, he can just, or he can just, you know, ruin me. It's just like, it's, that's, yeah. that's crazy, man. Nobody, that's should coercion. To, nobody should have to do that to be successful. Yeah. And it's just, no. Weird, man. And that's where the Illuminati talks come from about this. You have to, you have to pay your, you got to pay your dues. There's something you have to give up to get, that's what, it, obviously the videos are crazy, but there is this idea in Hollywood that like, you can't go through Hollywood and not get dirty. Not end up in a room and somebody goes, so we're going to have you do this and you're not comfortable with it, but you have to say you are because they'll just find somebody else. So as you move up in Hollywood, you keep coming to these doors where you might be asked to do something that makes you uncomfortable and you say yes, because this is what this is the dream. And Cassie is an example of the compromises that you have to make and the things that this system puts you through and Hollywood eats people's souls and that's where all that Illuminati and devil allegories and the imagery comes from because you kind of have to give a piece of yourself every time you move up in that world. Yeah. You're always going to be faced with these like, I don't know if I agree with being a gang banger, uh, ignorant image of a person in order to make money for myself and my family. I don't know if I want to be represented that way. Yeah. Well, this, this is interesting. And I got an idea for this. So let's kind of like... Let's 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 stop that there. 
Okay, because cool. I don't, I don't get, know. This is getting deep. It's yeah, getting because deep. I don't know much about. I'm not. I don't do that. I don't dive into those type of things because <laughs> I just I can't. I I don't have the brain capacity to be like to need to have that stuff in my brain. I just don't. Even. Yeah. And I'd rather have somebody else to tell me and kind of have a yeah. conversation. So let's put a pin <laughs> okay. in that, and let's then we can kind of we because I got an idea for that. So okay, we all right. Get back into let's it. put a pin in that. Um, before we take a quick break, as the year closes out, I just want to give a quick shout out to everybody who uh, signed up for the Patreon, uh, absorbed our content. We have big plans for 2024. Yeah, we got, we, we, have, we got big news for 2024, but as specifically as far as the Patreon is concerned, we want to do better. We want to be better. We want to give you more content in 2024, and that is our goal and that is our plan. But to anybody who has been supporting us, we are so appreciative. Round of applause for yourselves. Um, thank you guys very much. It is, it, is very, it is very much appreciated, and we love that people love us and support us, and so that is awesome. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. All right, and we are back. This week, Fran and I are going to be discussing the story of one Alonzo Brooks. This was a wild story. It, um, there are some parallels and some comparisons to a lot of stories that have come into black true crime media over the past few years that have unfortunately had a lot of dead ends, uh, questions that are unanswered, mis- mystery behind them. And this story, when I found out about this one, I had to hit up Fran. We got into it. And it's, just, it's another one of those stories that unfortunately doesn't have an answer, but hopefully you know, spreading the word can help the possibility that we get some answers. So, uh, Fran, as you know, Alonzo Tyree Brooks was a half black, half Mexican kid who was born on May 19th, 1980. He was the youngest of five children and was lovingly referred to as a surprise baby by many family members. Because he was the youngest member of his siblings, his mother was obviously very overprotective of him because he's the baby. Um, He was raised in Topeka, Kansas for a time until he moved to Gardner, Kansas with his mother. I believe it might have been after a divorce or a separation or some kind. I think I think this is when his mom and his dad separated and then they moved to a different part of Kansas mm-hmm. and then she eventually remarried. Alonzo, sometimes called Zoe by his friends and family, grew up very active. He was uh, a kid that excelled in karate and football and he also loved riding his bike. People who knew him described Zoe as a mild-mannered and good-humored kid. Um, and he was the kind of guy that just seemed to be good friends with everybody. You know that kid at school where the, the, the jocks, the goths, the, 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 the skater kid, he, knew, he knows everybody. This was Zoe. Zoe was a, he was a guy that just kind of everybody liked him. By 2004, the now 23-year-old Alonzo was working as a custodian for his stepfather's janitorial company in Gardner, Kansas. On April 3rd, 2004, Alonzo had plans to go to a party with friends the party was almost 50 miles or an hour away from Gardner in a small town called uh, Lassine, Kansas. So it's like a smaller town away from this other smaller town. I don't know anything about Kansas. So maybe Gardner's like the New York City of Kansas, but I don't think so. I think these are both small towns. And then he went to an even smaller town within Kansas, which was Lassine. So Alonzo informed his mother of his plans before leaving for the night and jumping into his friend Justin's car. We've had many a nights like this. When I was living at home with my mom when I was like 19, one, you come, you know, one of our friend, other friend come, we all hop in a car, we just go look for a house party. Mm-hmm. This, you know, so this, I really, you know, I resonate with this. I, I feel this. It's just, it's just a regular Saturday night looking for something to get into. The party was a pretty typical Saturday night house party. It was, but it was in like a farmhouse. Um, it, there were late teens and early 20s kids drinking, dancing, and playing games. Uh, the party attendance number grew in size as the night progressed, and soon most of the attendees that were there were not known by Alonzo or his friends. So when they first got there, it's a smaller party. As it grows, the number of people start to grow. The faces start to look more and more unfamiliar. And now now you feel like, oh, it's I got to stick with my crew. Yeah. So 
But just Gardner, Kansas, um, I wanted to look up because by him being uh, mixed and mm-hmm. African American and Mexican, I wanted to. Yeah. I need to. Like, I gotta go. You know, I gotta go to the consensus because I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I need to see. Let's see these population. Let's numbers. see these <laughs> population. What's numbers. the What's the demo? What's the demo? So, what's the demo like? So the demo in in Gardner, Gardner, Kansas is you know it's about twenty four thousand people, so it's a small. You know, one of those areas where small, but a lot of people know each other, right? Uh-huh. Type thing. Quaint. Um, at least, yeah. At least, at least, at least, I think twenty four thousand people. I don't think that's a lot of people. That's not a lot of people. Yeah. So eighty three percent white, five point nine percent black or African American, and you know, two point five Asian, other four point five, oh. you know, four point four, you know, two or more racial, right? Right. And Lacine, Kansas, and I'm guessing Lacine, Kansas is. In Gardner, Kansas, I, I, I think that I don't know. I it's don't fifty miles. It's fifty miles away of a drive. Okay, from maybe him, it's, so maybe I don't know it's, if maybe it's the next. Maybe it's like a county or city next door mm-hmm. or something like that. But I Lassine, don't feel like Gardner or Lacine are that bitch. Like I feel like they both live. They are both in something. Yeah. So Lassine, like they're both in Kansas City or something. Like I don't. I think they're both like little subdivisions in something else. They yeah. don't. They don't have main character energy. But Lacine, Kansas, is ninety three percent white. Ooh, the number jumped on that. And zero point nine black or African American. <laughs> African American. What's the seven? <laughs> so it's like uh, multiracial, non-Hispanic. Oh, uh, okay. So there's, there's like a couple of, there's a there's a there's like three biracial kids in Lacine that make up the seven percent. There's like virtually no black people in uh-huh. Lacine, Kansas, and that's scary. So going to these parties, where it's like I don't even know if his friends were friends were black. His friend that drove him there was white. Was white. Okay. So going to these parties where it's predominantly white people, mm-hmm. I I didn't grow up in the area where it's predominantly white people. So I want to come to you and ask you, sure. how was that experience being the only black people? Because I know you've been in those situations more than I have. And yeah. have you ever had any fear of like, well, my friends are leaving. I'm the only black person here that something may go down. Cause I never had, I never been in that situation. Whenever I hung out without you, I was uh-huh. around black people. So like maybe right. if it's white people around, they were girls, or maybe like the one white guy who was cool with all the black dudes. But he was down. He they was called down. him white yeah, white he's, boy. He's invited yeah, to he, the cookout or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I've never been in that situation because I didn't grow up in that type of. I didn't grow up in that type of area. So that's why right. I wanted to come to you. How was that experience with that? That's a great question that you asked me because I really resonated with this story. Right, I, I know resonated. That. That's why I wanted to come yeah. to you and you give that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um. When I when I as the night obviously as the story the story gets crazier but yeah. this story in and of itself of like a night at a party like this and being the only at least one of I, but I'm pretty sure he was like the no I, as a matter of fact in the notes he was the only he black was the only yeah <laughs> I about to say and I've and that has happened to me yeah. yeah and it is this it's weird bro like as I've gotten older I recognize a lot of the psychology that played a role in. Who I am today, and I have some things to unlearn because from my early teen years to my early, or from my late teen years to my early twenty years, I was going to a lot of like college parties and high school parties that were in the suburbs, and I was the only black kid there, and all these things. And it kind of it it manipulates your psychology because you're being fetishized at these parties. Mm-hmm. Either you're the either you're the butt of the joke. And then I'm not saying everybody's laughing at it, but like everything is like a, oh, everything comes back to you and not you personally, because nobody there really knows you. They just know you're black. Yeah. So either people want to get, get brownie points from you for their coolness. Mm-hmm. I listen to this. You know, Drake, you learned this. I listen to, you know, Lil Wayne. I love Lil Wayne. You listen to Lil Wayne? They, they think they know I listen to Lil Wayne. And so they want to ask me to feel like I'm cool. This yeah. black person, I'm, I'm going to relate to this black person. So it's either that or everything has to come back to you being black. Yeah. And you, because you're having a good time and it's a fun party and there's pretty girls and there's alcohol, you don't want to rock the boat. So you just, <laughs> you just learn to laugh. You just learn to laugh at the, the jokes. You go with the flow. Yeah. You learn to go with the flow. And so th- those little jabs start to hurt less and less. The little like, Oh, he's black. He knows. Does it, does it hurt less and less? Or you kind of try to hide your mm. reaction or the emotion that you, because it, it has to upset you. It, I, I don't think, think what, and you, you just, get numb you, to it. You just, you, you get numb to it. Exactly. You so you kind of like push it behind where it goes like, 
or I see what this person is doing. Yeah. And I don't know if he's doing it intentionally or not, whatever. Mm -hmm. I can't take it because then this will I will look like an I will like the elephant in the room if I kind of make a big deal out of it because I'm the and only that's, black person here, and that's where the that's the psychology that I'm I need to work on unlearning okay. as I've gotten older and you know thought about my life and some of the things that I say and do yeah. I trace it back to like this being in my formative years because in that situation you have to go well let's see if I turn up at this party then I'm just who they already. I'm who they thought. I'm who they think I am. Right. If I make a scene, if I punch somebody in the face, if I turn up, if I start wilding out, then I'm the crazy black dude. Don't don't invite him to the parties anymore. Yeah. He's wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I became so hyper aware of like how to how to function in white spaces and be accepted. And so when I see anything that feels like the arbitrary checklist that I've created from my own experience is being stepped outside of the bounds of when I see, see somebody being themselves, mm -hmm. being loud or being, you know, rambunctious or whatever, being quote unquote, get what ghetto, like any of those things I go, Oh no, no, no. Like you're going to make the white people uncomfortable. And we've had conversations on this podcast where yeah. I talk about the, the, the riverboat uh, thing mm -hmm. where I thought that was fantastic, but something in me still said like, well, you know, I thought it was a bad look. Like given time and conversations that I had with people after I made those statements, I understand where it's like, who gives a fuck what white people think about yeah. that situation? They were those people were wrong. And then they got what they got. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a, well, you know, but seeing the black people hit the white lady with the chair. I get that. I get that. I get that because I and like we had this conversation before where it's just like, and I think I've and I've done the same thing where when I'm around white people where I go and my my brain I go. Try to whatever preconceived or predetermined idea that they have of black people just in general, just don't be that. And, but as like, but then me doing that is like not being myself or who I am yes. and how I grew up or whatever. But I'm I'm trying to impress this these white people, this other race that are, to, for them to look at me as not seeing me as white, but not seeing me as a typical what they think, whatever what they think, right? The, uh, typical and whatever they think as. Black people in general, I don't want, I don't want to be that, and that's one thing that as I got older as well, I kind of, I kind of need to be like, I, I don't, I, sh why do you, you shouldn't give a fuck, like you shouldn't care, yeah. like just be yourself. You don't have to try to impress these people so they don't like you. Like that doesn't, that doesn't matter. And then even if you do nail it, they might still think that about you anyway. So it's like, why are you trying to make them so comfortable yeah. and minimizing yourself? Yeah. And that's something I had to learn. But I, le I learned it because. That was my fun in my teenage years. Right. Going to these parties. I had a great time playing beer pong and, you know, having fun and kissing girls and all that fun stuff was happening. But also I had to minimize myself and I'm doing all these checks and balances in my head. And then another black person shows up. That scene in uh, Not Another Team movie, there's a scene in Not Another Team movie. I know you're talking about. Where uh, a <laughs> yeah. black dude comes in and, he's, yeah. and everybody's like, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then the, the guy pulls him. He's like, hey, man, um, I'm the black dude at this party. Yeah. And he's like, oh, shit, man, my... Damn, hey, my bad, man. My bad. Hey, this is like a fun party, man. I'll go find somewhere I'm else. Head man, out. Man, man, I yeah. appreciate it, dog. Yeah. It there is this kind of energy of like, well, there can't be like two, because then we gotta start comparing and which one's better. And cause there can only be like one black person at a time. Yeah. The, and that goes the, for Hollywood, the, the that goes for the house the parties. Person. He's the black person. The black person. Of yes. The, of the so, party group, whatever. Yeah. So all of that shit is very real. And that was the experience in which I had a lot of fun in my teenage years. And so that was kind of the filter in which I started to see the world. Like, if you want to have fun and go to cool places and experience things, then you need to adjust who you are yeah. to be allowed into those rooms. Yeah. And that's not right. And I think that I really see a lot of myself in Alonzo Brooks because I'm sure he had to do that, not whether it was conscious or unconscious. When you live in a place that's 83% white and you're the only – if he's not the only black person, he's definitely probably one of the only half black, half Mexican. Now you really are like, yeah, he's like even more of an enigma. But that also, again, it's a fetishization. Like they think you're weird and they think they're better than you, but like they want you around. Right. And they want your opinion and they want to know how their opinion compares to yours. And it's, you know, it's the, it's the, it's, it's the hair touching of it all. It's, yeah. it's, it's that they want to do that with you, but you still feel like not a part of the crew fully and i want to now you're at a party where right. you don't know any of these people and i want to know if he had any 
Now, obviously, we're doing a story, so we know something bad happens at the end. But I want to know, at some point, did he have some type of identity issue where it's like, is it, I feel like I'm trying to put on this costume of like, this is not who white, I white, am. Like white, white face. Yeah, it's like, I, this is not who I yeah. am. So do I do I even know? Like, is I don't even know if I know myself because you like going into these rooms is like, you're you're putting on this show. Mm-hmm. And it's just not who you are. And I want to know if he had, you know, that thought, you know, when he's at home by himself, being in that I'm area sure. where he's predominantly white. Like, I know that's, that's that could be difficult. Yeah. You know, for your sure. psyche. So it's just like, yeah. Yeah, it's, just, yeah, it's, it's you, you don't really know who the real you is, you know. It was some kind of struggle or anything like that. I had a... I had a lot of fun. I never felt like I was being uh, racially. Uh, but were you ever in danger? You ever felt in danger? Have you ever? I felt never. In no, I never. I never felt in danger. I might have felt like. Here's here's what I'll give you. There have been parties that I've been to to where I've give I've been given the address and I show up and the person who invited me isn't there. Okay. And now I feel like well, there's nobody here to vouch for me. As like the, so now I'm the black dude walking to this party and like the guy who the guy who knows me the girl who knows me isn't here yet yeah so it's kind of so you get no nobody's ever like came up to me and be like hey man there's no black people allowed to be hey. oh my god Jessica <laughs> do you know this black yeah never mind man sorry I thought you were just like a a wild black yeah. that stumbled into the no it's never been that but you get this internal feeling where you go if that if that was to happen if somebody goes who do you know here you might you don't they're, they're not here so you might. You you have this feeling that you're not supposed to be there, yeah, because the because because the people that have accepted me aren't here yet, right. so there's that. But I never felt I wouldn't say fear, okay. Like I'm like oh my god they're gonna like attack me because I'm the only black person here. Yeah. I, I never felt that. But uh, yeah, sorry. I, I hope that that was not a useless conversation that we just had. I felt like there's some stuff to pull on, but let's get back to Alonzo's story. So now, like I said, the party starts to get bigger, but more and more people are showing up that they don't know. So you would think this would make you uncomfortable. And although he was typically a more reserved person around people that he didn't know, his friends say that on this night, Alonzo was very social and in high spirits at this party, possibly due to some liquid courage at this, uh, you know, as the night progressed, he's, you know, hitting the keg, hitting the keg, having a couple of beers, getting a little loose, having some fun, talking to people, stepping outside of your comfort zone. I've been there. You've been there. You get it. Get a little bit of that sauce up in you. You start to, Hey man, where are you from? Confidence. Sure. Are you from Lacine? Yeah. I assume because you're white that you're from Lacine. I mean, it's 93% white. So yeah, you know, I assume <laughs> you're from the I assume you're from around the way. So anyway, uh, as you said, friend, Lacine is a predominantly white area with a reputation of not being the most welcoming mm. to black and brown folks. Yeah. It is reported Dang. that from the be- from the beginning to the end of the party, Zoe was the only non-white person in attendance that night. And that Alonzo got into an altercation with another party goer where racial slurs and insults were hurled Zoe's way. Hmm. However, Zoe's friend Daniel allegedly stepped in and de-escalated things before they got physical. Hmm. So there was some tension. There was some racial energy in the air. Things almost got a little bit physical, but a friend of a friend of Alonzo stepped in and calmed things down. And then the party continued. Yeah, I got it. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going after that. Yeah, well, for what I'm, I'm a, I'm a big believer in vibes, and something like that'll throw my. Cause now I'm looking at that dude all night. My fist is balled up. I'm thinking about going over there and sneaking him. <laughs> I can't, I can't lock in back in on the party. That's not. It's not you even be- that. It's just the now. If this how he is, this how he feels. The people he hang with probably feel the same way. And now I'm like, now I'm, mm. I'm in fear. Now I'm like, I'm in fear because I don't know. This can, yeah, because they didn't turn out, up. They just can go outside after the party. I don't know what's. I'm gone, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. out. I'm out. That's mm-hmm. it for me. Now I will interject here, friend, to your question from a little bit ago. If I was at a party and somebody came into my face and started yelling racial shit at me, and I didn't know whose house it was and I didn't know most of the people there, if my friends started to leave, I would be scared. Right. Okay. So now because I'd be like, oh, now I'm super outnumbered and I have no nobody here that has right. my back. Now, my part two of that would be. Do you put this on the group because they came together? Should they leave together? Because if my friends are leaving and I know the situation ain't no way in hell, I'm staying I'm at this party. Because you, he, not putting this on Alonzo, but he's from Kansas. He know he, he's experienced this, or if he hasn't experienced this because he's you know 
um, the accepted the accepted black yeah, guy. Yeah, or or right, or like he doesn't he hasn't picked up on these racial feelings or or he just might think this is how he, the world is because he's not yeah. yeah because he's naive and or he's mm. just oblivious of what's going on around him where he's just like oh this is just this, this is just the world this is just this is what happens. Yeah, and then you stuck there, and then you don't. Kind of, you that's kind of fully possible, though. Yeah, right. But that's fully possible that this racist thing happened to him, and it wasn't the first time it's happened to him. And so he just kind of went, you know, when we get into fights, that's the first thing they yeah, go this, to this, is this, talk about how I'm yeah, black. Yeah, I just, I, I, if my but I, I leaving, agree with you. I'm, yeah, bro, I'm coming. Here, but we don't know if it, we don't know if the, his friends went. Yo, we leaving. It's another party we, we going to. We don't know that. We don't know that. And my only pushback a little bit because it gets worse. Yeah, my pushback is. That this friend Daniel and this friend Tyler that I'm describing, they they all came to the party obviously as friends, but they didn't come there together. Okay, but they I'm going to get into all, who but, the person. But they all know each they're, other. Yeah, they're, they're all they're, they're all there. The they all know each other. But like I'm saying, like if, if if me and you show up somewhere, and then two of our friends show up in their car because we all went, yo, it's a party tonight, yeah, and then two of our other friends, we all know each other. We're all friends and everything. But like everybody has their own car, everybody has their own plans. It's who you come with. Now if we come in a car full of four people. And the four of us all go a separate. That's cons- after something like this, and it's like, well, I'm gonna go ride with this person. You, I'm gonna go. I found a ride. That's more concerning to me than we're all friends, but we all came here at different times and from different places with our own intentions for the night. And yeah, but I mean, like, if we if we come to a party and I go, bro, I meet you. Well, I'm leaving. I'm, but I'm saying, like, like I said, like, yeah, I, but I'm like, if like, I, bro, I meet you there, mm-hmm. and and you come with like you with somebody, you pick up somebody, and I'm like, okay, I'll go get our other friend, and we meet at the party. Right. And we about to leave, right. but Mike, who is your fight Mike, happened. who's your enemy, is in the room with his boys, and, and I and I I just leave. Like I just I'm not yeah. I'm not if I'm not leaving you there knowing you across sure. the room For got sure. some beef with you and is waiting to catch you by yourself. I'm just I'm just not doing For that. Sure. I'm not doing that. I fully I fully agree. So in that sense, I would say I do find I do hold them somewhat responsible at, at the very least of going. You guys were bad friends. Yeah. I'm not saying they're cu- they're culpable. Right. They are should be charged. But you gotta, like, you gotta but I'm saying you, that's not a good friend. Right. And we've we've read tons of stories about girls who went out partying like, uh, for a girl's birthday, and then they all just throw her in an Uber and go their separate ways. Yeah. This is akin to that. Yeah. You left your friend drunk at a party in a bad situation, and you cared more about going to the next party than making sure your friend got home safe. Yeah. But again, like I said, it gets worse. Yeah. Also, this story reminds me of the Tamla Horsford. Not not. That's similar, but like the the the, con- the dynamic, the, yeah, the, exactly. The yeah, how everything yeah. went down, the way it looks, the, it the looks, optics it of it. Me of that yeah. Story. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I made some notes of that for sure, okay. and a couple other ones. Um, so like I said, his his friends started to dwindle away from the party. The only ally that remained at the house, at the farmhouse, and in this now slightly tense situation, full of strangers, was Justin, who was Zoe's ride. So Justin was still there. Now, the duo was posted up, busting down cigs at the party, you know, in a corner, just, you know, lighting them up, yeah. passing fugs, talking and all that type of stuff in a corner somewhere. I've been in a, been many, many a nights at a, at a house party just being like, you know what I mean? Just like, what is high school, man? Like smoking a Lucy. Everybody, everybody graduates. People peak, man. Like I'm, I'm trying to be bigger than high school. I don't care about the football games and. Just talking out of your ass. Think, at twenty three, cool. yeah, uh, should not be twenty three um, at house parties. That's just not, no. You should you be should not, not. twenty three, and somebody's like, "My mom's coming home." <laughs> you gotta and get out. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like you're there a junior you in high school. The you're, 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 like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm legal. I'm an adult. Um. So yeah. So they're you know they're in the corner of the party, you know, busting down cigarettes, chilling, and everything like that. And that's when they both noticed that they had run out of cigs. And this is where things get funny. And maybe not funny, but this is where things look funny. So Justin apparently ran into some car trouble and had to leave his car at a party. Or he ran into some car trouble and had to leave his car at the party because he left to go get some cigarettes. So he leaves to go get some cigarettes. He gets out to, he gets out to his car, and apparently his car will, like won't start. So he decides to walk, hoof it, in Lacine, where they're not from, to go get some cigarettes from somewhere a gas station or whatever. So he leaves, right? Now, because it was an unfamiliar area to him, Justin gets lost on the back roads of Lacine. So he leaves his friend, leaves his car, and then gets lost. Justin 
called a friend that was at the party. Now, this friend, I'm not sure how close he, I'm sure he knew Alonzo, but he was Justin's friend. So Justin calls his friend who was still at the party and asked him to explain the predicament to Alonzo, to which, according to Justin, he said that he could hear Alonzo laughing at him about his car issues, basically being like, man, look, your car's always broke. Ah, ha, ha, you're walking, whatever. So it seemed like lighthearted. And he asked this guy whose name was Adam. He asked Adam to give Alonzo a ride home. This is Justin's story from his interview. Mm -hmm. So he's saying, you know, I did the thing of, you know, my car was broken and I asked another person to give Alonzo a ride home. But when I told him what was the situation, he was laughing. He was still at the party. He seemed like he was still having a good time. And that kind of seems like the perfect thing to say after what we get into happens. It seemed. I talked to him, he was laughing and everything was fine. And I just kind of happened to leave my car and I walked off and got lost. I'm not pointing any fingers, but I'm just saying the story just, it's very convenient. Adam agreed to take Alonzo home at the end of the night. Sadly, this is not what happened in this case. As Adam and Zoe did not cross paths at the end of the night as the party was letting out, and Adam left without him. The next morning, Maria, Alonzo's mom, received a call from Alonzo's friend and realized that her son had not returned home from that party. So she didn't even know. So that's got to be terrifying as a parent, obviously, friend. Your kids are young, but you can probably imagine what it's like to just assume that your kids are home from whatever they were doing the night before. And the only way you find that out is from a call casually being like, Hey, um, we can't get in touch with such and such. Uh, are they home? Yeah. And then you go to be like, of course they're home. And they're not home. Right. So that's gotta be terrifying. I'm sure her heart stops. Yeah. Um, mostly because Zoe and his mother were extremely close and to not come home or to stay at a friend's house without notifying her, not to worry, because of course that's what you, you got to send the text. We've both been here. You've been here with your dad. I've been here with my mom where it's like, even if it was a lie, you say something. something. Yeah. I'm staying at a friend's house, uh, my car, I'll be home late. My, the car ran out of gas. I'm pushing it to the, whatever. You got to say something. He says nothing. So this was extremely out of character for Alonzo to, to his mom, Maria. So she began calling more of Alonzo's friends in an attempt to locate him. After word started to spread around the 24,000 populated small town of Gardner that Alonzo was missing after the party and that he didn't return home, um, some of the friends rushed back out to Lacine to look for him. The house was oddly empty. It didn't even look like there had been a party there the night before. During their search of the area, this is the night, this is the day after the party. During their search of the area and the surrounding area of the farmhouse Alonzo's friend found his hat and one of his boots located across the street from the home's driveway Zoe's other boot would later be discovered in a creek bank just a few yards down the road from the farmhouse and the location where the boot and the hat were found so the day the morning or like the afternoon ish after the party they find his hat and one of his boots and then some time passes in the month in the month after this and his other boot is found down the road a little bit. Yeah. So his boot and his hat are together. And then his other boot is down the road a little bit. So the scattered nature of his shoes and hat caused some to speculate that maybe these items were thrown from a moving vehicle, which when I read that, I went, I mean, that sounds possible, mm -hmm. especially cause we don't know what happened, you know, spoiler alert, but it's, that sounds possible. Somebody's tossing some evidence out of a window. Um, but it's also important to note that after Zoe's friends and family found his shoe and hat that day after the party, they were told to leave the area by a car full of people who to this day were never identified. Wow. So they got pulled up on and got like a light warning. Like, Hey man, y'all should get out of here. You guys are, um, not welcome here. Get out of here. Maybe whether it's, this is private property, whether it's whatever the thing that was said was they were shooed away. It might've just been some passerby racism. Yeah. yeah. Of like, I don't know what you guys are doing out here, but you don't look like you're from Lacine. Yeah. So get out of here. Um, so Maria attempted to file a missing persons report. But as we've heard many a time, Fran, in so many other cases, she was told that she could not do this until it had been 48 hours had passed. And again, I understand the reasoning behind it. And there's so many missing person cases and everything like that. But it's hard. It's got to be hard when you have to look at a specific situation and you say, listen, I understand what you're saying. Me and my kid are like this. We are two peas in a pot, and I'm telling you, they would never sleep at a somebody's house and not tell me. So you're wasting precious time because something bad happened because my kid would not be like incommunicado for 
16 hours. So it just is not, it would not happen. Why do you have to wait 48 hours to report for a missing person? But the first, but the first 48 hours is extremely important in like a homicide. Like a criminal case, yeah, like, like a homicide investigation. That makes that's a great question. Man. No sense to me at all. I just don't. That's a great. I think they're. Th- I think. I think. Well, it feels like them. Everybody should be going around saying, "I think that my kid has been murdered." Something because because they go like, "Well, I don't want." But the thing that pissed me, I know what pissed me off if, as a parent, if you know, hopefully, I pray to God this never happens. Where it's like you in a situation, they go, "Well, this percentage of this, you know, we gotta wait forty hours because this percentage is runaway." I don't want to hear that shit. I don't like. Yeah. What. I don't want don't don't throw me no statistics in my face about I don't want to my child is missing I don't know what my child is I don't want to hear mm-hmm. that most of them are runaways fuck that yeah I rather so I rather we go and look for them and then they we find out that they're runaways and that's okay I go yeah. okay cool better safe than sorry so you know like I said Maria she tried to go and file a missing persons report they told her that she had to wait forty eight hours Alonzo's family was obviously irate for many reasons one of which being that their loved one was potentially lost in the world shoeless in a torrential downpour with an ankle injury that he had sustained a few weeks prior to the party mm. from playing basketball. So he doesn't have shoes on. It's pouring down raining outside. And he, he, they're basically like, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be walking down a road in the middle of the night. His ankle was hurting. No. He, his ankle's too hurt for him to be walking long distances. So something's wrong. Alonzo's friends were interviewed a number of times by police and gave their account of how the night went. Many party goers were also given polygraph tests along with similar interviews, but nothing alarming was detected and no leads were obtained from them. Now there are substan- there <clears throat> now there are unsubstantiated damn. Now there are unsubstantiated allegations that some of the partygoers may have refused the polygraphs. But as I said, these claims seem to be backed by no facts and so it's just hearsay, but it's just like the rumor mill is some of the kids at the party weren't co- weren't cooperating fully. Now this is interesting. Dane Hartman, a friend of Alonzo, later told the police that at the party, people had allegedly said that they had saw Alonzo sprinting away from the party at about 4 a.m. Hmm. and that no one knew why he was running. Hartman said he thought it was odd because Alonzo had an ankle injury. And so when I hear 4 a.m., he had an ankle injury, but people say they saw him sprinting down the road. His shoes are off. His hat is off. I'm like. I can start to make myself believe that maybe he got super drunk and was being wild or worse. Maybe he got super drunk and then he got pressed by some of these dudes that he had issue. He had an issue with late earlier at the party and he had to try to take off to Run it for save himself. Yeah. You know, like, so that based on when you, when you know about the altercation earlier in the night and the racial epithets that were thrown his way and all his friends leaving it being 4am and him running, even though his ankle was injured, it's not crazy. If you think about him being in fear for his life and him being drunk and, him being in a town that he doesn't, he doesn't know anybody at right. and his ride's gone. And it, it makes sense. So the ankle injury thing is like, yeah, he has an ankle injury, but when the adrenaline kicks in, I can believe that somebody will be running as fast as they can at four o'clock in the morning to get away from a dangerous situation. Right. So that's, that's where my head went, where I went, that kind of tracks for me. You know, if, if the party's letting out and it's late in the night and, you run in, you bump into that dude again from earlier, but this time he's got seven of his friends with him and none of your friends are with you. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's why the his boots and hat were scattered, because maybe he was He might have gotten to a scuffle. Running. And I've been in I've had multiple ankle injuries from playing basketball. I know that you can't tie your shoe all the way. I know if you're running, maybe that can shoe can come off and maybe it came uh-huh. off different distances and the hat came off as well, running in the yeah. wind, a whole bunch of stuff could have happened. So it's like maybe yeah. that's why Everything yeah. was scattered all over the place because him running and those things are dropping right. and falling off as he's running, whatever, you know, direction. That's fully possible. Yeah. That's fully possible. So this is, again, this crazy Lacine shit, right? There were also whispers of allegations that Alonzo may have been flirting with a white woman at the party mm-hmm. and that maybe he got into a fight in which he was outnumbered. This would explain a possible cause for the altercation that he got into earlier with whoever that dude was. Maybe he was talking to the wrong white woman. Maybe he was talking to a white woman, period, and this guy didn't like it. And then he's like, I'm not even pressing you about the girl because but that that is why I'm pressing you. But I'm just going to be like, who do you think you who are you? Maybe he liked that girl girl and he couldn't get her. But Alonzo. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to go start some shit. Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm, Alonzo was on his free yeah. bird type of shit. He had some drinks in him. He was fun. He was charismatic. He's different looking at the party. Might've, he might've been getting some rhythm. And this dude's like, fuck this dude. Yeah. Hey man, yeah. you're black. Yeah. And I'm black. sure he said a lot yeah. worse than that, yeah. but yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, good one. Fuck off. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this is 2004. Yeah. Ruben Stuttered had released the smash hit. Sorry for 2004. And this type of shit was going on in Lacine, Kansas. So what does that mean? What is? I'm just saying it's a very progressive song. I, I don't know many people that put the, the, the name of the year in the song. It, it kind of puts you in a box because you can't really listen to the song any other time other than that year. But it's still, it was a good song. Yeah, I mean, but it was in Kansas. That, he didn't release that song. Ruby Sutter's not from Kansas. That's true. You know, <laughs> listen, you're, you're trying to connect dots. I wasn't trying to connect. <laughs> I see where your head's at. I respect it. You know, listen, maybe you should start making Illuminati YouTube videos. That's your business. <laughs> right. You're looking for dots that I wasn't looking for. I'm just saying it's 2004. Yeah, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry for. Yeah. 2004. Yeah, exactly. So after nearly a month of police searches by both local and state authorities, cadaver dogs, the, an FBI investigation into whether this was a hate crime or not. Um, there were dive teams that searched the creek and so much more. Alonzo's family was finally permitted after a month's time to, for them to be a part of the search and look around the, the farmhouse and the surrounding property. Now, that month of time with all those agencies, cadaver dogs, dive teams, all that stuff, they found nothing. Nothing. On May 1st, 2004, the first day that his family was allowed to search the property, after apparently only just over an hour Alonzo's body was found by his family, fully clothed and lying on top of a pile of debris in a creek just 250 feet away from the home where the party took place. Yeah. Keep in mind what I said, friend. Cadaver dogs, FBI, local yeah. authorities, state like, authorities, like, dive like teams. Three days where they did it, three different searches. Or they something did like it that? for the whole month. Yeah, they did okay, it from right, April. Okay. They did it from April 3rd to May 1st. From April 3rd to May 1st, there was a month-long investigation. The FBI got a part of it. They became a part of it. And they couldn't find his body. He was still a missing person until his family went out there on May 1st, 2004. And they found him that day after an hour of looking. And he was only 250 feet away from the house. Yeah. In the creek that they said that they, that they looked. It was, he, was, he was like around the creek. And they said they sent dive teams out there. So that's fishy. That they couldn't find him. And I'll get into that. So... The creek was allegedly searched multiple different times by multiple different agencies. So it is really strange that his family found him on the first day that they were allowed to look in an area that is claimed to have been scoured. The area where the body was discovered was sealed off and not an an autopsy was done. And Alonzo Brooks's cause of death was ruled to be undetermined initially. And I did. I wanted to look that because we've seen it a lot and I, I never could understand that term that they use, and it said the deaths classified as undetermined are deaths in which, after a thorough investigation and consideration of all information available, one manner of death is no more compelling than another manner of death. Is the reason mm. why they always come up with, you know, undetermined. 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 Yeah. So, the family was justifiably disgusted at all the people claiming to be Zoe's friends, but weren't friend enough to make sure that he got home safe. Yep. Something that we discussed a little bit ago. There was no evidence of any internal or external injuries. No bruising was present. No bones were broken or fractured. And there were no signs of penetrative wounds, such as a bullet or knife lacerations or stab wounds. Um, There was also no evidence that Alonzo had drowned, which is big because he was found in a creek, um, as there was no water in his lungs. So drowning, even though he has none of these marks on him, he hadn't, he didn't, there was no evidence that he drowned either. Yeah. So without any other evidence to back up Zoe's death being anything but suspicious, the case was unfortunately closed. Alonzo's body wasn't bloated. He hadn't drowned, like I said. And if investigators really searched the creek the way that they say, it seems impossible that they didn't discover Alonzo's body in the time that they searched. On top of that, his body hadn't suffered nearly the decomposition that one would expect in the time that he was missing. Mm. So it seems unlikely that Alonzo Brooks' body was in that creek from April 3rd to May 1st. It is believed that it's possible that he wasn't there and then he was placed out there a little bit into the investigation while after the creek was searched by dive teams, after something had taken place. And there are even people online that are speculating that maybe he was in some kind of freezer, like somebody was hiding the fact that he was dead, put him in a freezer or something, and then 
in mid-investigation, they went out there and dumped yep. him. Because he just wasn't decomposed. He, like, he was in water, but he wasn't bloated. All the things that should have been there for the time that he was gone weren't there. Yeah. Because he would have been found the next day. If they went back out there before the, the search team, they'd have, they'd have found him. Yes. Yes. Because they searched that, that area not far from but the But to house. do that and not take, not take, not take his boots, and it's just, that's weird as well. Like, for you to take the body but yeah. not try to not find, not clean, up, clean all, up the hat and the boots, it's just. Well, if you don't know it's there, that's, 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 that's putting this on to, like, a real professional job. So, I don't know. Everything, everything's speculation. It's, it's 250 know? feet. It's not that far from, a, it's not that far. That's true. That's true. That's true. This one's this one's this one's just a messy one, man. But Alonzo's case was reopened by the Department of Justice and the FBI in June of 2020, following the case airing on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. On July 22, 2020, Alonzo's body was exhumed in an attempt to learn more information regarding his suspicious death. The FBI even announced a $100,000 reward to anyone with information regarding Alonzo Brooks's death. In April of 2021, a federal forensic examiner who performed a second autopsy released his findings, and, inc- and they included that Alonzo's manner of death should be reclassified as a homicide. During the announcement of this information, former U.S. attorney of the District of Kansas stated that Alonzo's death was no accident and that he had been killed, officially reclassifying Alonzo's case as a homicide investigation. Um, as you said, Fran, this gave you... Um, touches and images and callbacks to the Tamala Horse Tamala Horsford story. I likened it to the story of Kanika Jenkins from Chicago, a girl that was at a hotel party with some friends and then they found her in the freezer the next morning. She was dead, but how did she there's footage of her walking into the freezer, but it's like how did she know where the freezer was and there was all this confusion around it and still no answer. But the hotel settled with her family and then you just move on. Another case that this um, story reminded me of was the Kendrick Johnson case. Kendrick Johnson was a young man in Georgia, I believe. He was found rolled up in a gym mat at his high yeah. school. Yep. His shoes were still on and rolled up in the mat perfectly. And then at some point in the investigation, his organs went missing. And all this confusion and anger and frustration from the community, and there were still no answers. And unfortunately, Alonzo Brooks uh, fell into this mysterious category of these people who died in these mysterious circumstances around people who don't know what happened or how it could have happened. And nobody has answers. And the whole thing is just case closed, undetermined, weird situation, but we don't know exactly what happened. And so I'm hoping that the Alonzo Brooks case will get some new light shined on it. A witness will come forward. Somebody from Lacine, somebody from Gardner, maybe somebody that was at the party. 2004 wasn't that long ago. It's not like we're looking for somebody who was there the night Emmett Till was killed. Like we're talking about a person who, if they were 23 in 2004, they're like in their early 50s right. now. Somebody knows. You know, this somebody knows a, something. Somebody knows and something. I, I, I hate that it takes for a body to be exhumed for an investigation to kind of like kickstart everything and to kind of find out exactly what happened. And one thing I do hate that we see a lot where it's like the families have to pay a private investigative team or whatever to solve a crime. Like, why should a family, a grieving family, have to come out of pocket? Now, I don't know how it works if they come out of pocket. I don't know how that works, but I'm saying, you know, just based off information I know. It's happened. Why a family has to come out of pocket to, for those resources? I just don't think that's, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's right. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, rest in peace to Alonzo Brooks, obviously. I yeah. uh, hope that the family gets the answers that they're looking for. Again, I saw a lot of my younger self in the scenario, obviously not the, the result, but I saw a lot of my younger self in a party like that, feeling out of place, but trying to make the best of the situation and come out of your shell and have a good time and still be faced with these weird interactions and energy and you know, so, you know, uh, it's unfortunate that this kid just went out to have a good time one night and he never came home. So, so prayers to his family and to anybody that's listening, if you live in Kansas and I don't know, I'm not assuming that you might know something, but if this story resonates with you, maybe start asking some questions, maybe spread the word on look up Alonzo Brooks and just kind of, you know, share the picture on Facebook or something. See, see if you get any hits from a, a class of 2004 Facebook group or something like that. It's just something that you get the word out there. You start to say people's names and you never know what could come up. So, Something to think about. Um, 
But yeah, like I said, rest in peace to Alonzo Brooks. Fran. What up? Um, as we have we are coming to a close of this episode, we teased some news. Yeah, man. Uh, would you like to let people know what the news is? Yeah, so we kind of been talking with some people, you know, some trying to get some things together here, make sure we have everything in place, but 2024 January 5th. You got you got the you got the buttons ready? Some type Which of button? Sound? I don't know, do uh, horn or something. I, I got you. I got you. you talk, you talk. I got you. I got you. I got you. We got this. We got this. So, do, am I saying the date? Am I going to say the date? January, January 15th. 15th. We are having our first live show, people. Our first live show, um, January 15th. We hope to see, you know, as many of you there if we possibly can. We're going to get, we'll have the information out soon. The the link for the tickets and. The link is a, the link is available well, right available? now. Okay. Well, be, the, if you're yeah. listening to this right now, the link is available right now. January 15th, Affirmative Murder Live. It will be us along with our great friend, Madison yes. McGee. You may have heard her. She was a, a, a the first guest, I think, on Affirmative yeah. Murder. Yeah. Madison McGee from Ice Cold Case will be joining us for our first live show at a place where I spent many a young night uh, having drinks and having a good time and uh, a really special place to me, Zen West. Uh, we are doing our first live show there. We would love to see people in attendance. The tickets are available um, in Baltimore if you're in the Baltimore area, if you're in the DMV area, or if you're from a little bit further outside of that and don't mind a drive. Martin Luther King Day, January 15th, 2024. You can come see Affirmative Murder Live. It's going to be a fun time. There will be drinks. There will be stories. There will be uh, Fran in a suit. <laughs> Am I? I hope we don't. <laughs> well, let's not put him in a box. Fran, we don't know what you're going to wear. We don't know what yeah. you're going to wear. We don't know what you're going to wear, but it's going to be crazy and maybe a little bit mysterious. Now you got me on the buttons tip, so I got them just put, hitting what's in front of me. Um, but let, let's, on a serious note, folks, uh, January 15, 2024, Affirmative Murder Live with Madison McGee. We would love to see you there. Please come out, have a good time, hear some fun stories, hear some crazy shit. And uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be a bright yeah, year. Man. And let's kick it off right. So uh, how are you feeling about that, friend? I'm excited, man. I'm super excited. What can the people look forward to? Who? Um, a great. I feel like you should break out the fur coat. Should I? <laughs> it is going to be cold. I might. It's January. I yeah, I'm, I might. I might bring it out. I mean, we're going to have some good stores. Get, like you said, we're going to have some drinks, have a good time, have a nice little laugh. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great, great yeah. experience. And we hope to do more after after this one. That would be great. That would absolutely yeah. be great to do more, for sure. But whether or not you bring out the fur coat doesn't matter because, you know, Fran, hoes don't get cold. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. yeah, that, was, that, was a, that was a little joke. Um <laughs> But uh, no, but anyway, folks, like I said, that link is available right now. If you are looking to come kick it with me, Fran and Madison McGee, uh, go go get that link. Uh, it should be in our Instagram. I'll be sharing it on social on socials, all the socials. Click that link, get a ticket and uh, we'll see you soon. Um, I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. And we'll see you guys next Deuces. week. Don't forget to buy tickets to the live show.